The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond and hello everyone. Welcome to Podcast Beyond episode 605. I am your host Jonathan Dornbush of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I've thought of several ways to start this show. I have actually three intros so we're just going to go through them all. The first one, uh, to my right, your left on camera, the very snazzily dressed Brian Altano. Hi, how are you? Hi Brian. Good to see you. You, you look quite dapper today. Thanks, I'm going to court. I thought you had a job interview at well, court. Yeah, I'm going to be the job. new judge. <laughs> I'm actually, no, neither of those I'll things. be the judge of that. Yeah. Uh, also joining us this week, Max. Hey. Scoville, thank you for being with us. Yeah. Glad to have yeah. you back. No, this is exciting. We're doing this on a Friday morning. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, a, we never do podcasts on a Friday morning. There's a different energy to We get to skip the morning meeting. It's great. Yeah. I really like this. Um, yeah, especially because it's TGS and there's, yeah. there's, there's yeah. tons of stuff. So. We have so much to talk about. Yeah. Sorry for a few days late on the show, uh, but we'll make it worth it, I promise. Yes. But before we get to all of the stuff we should actually be talking about, the first thing I wanted to mention was, uh, because it is the morning and it's fresh in my mind of how unfresh San Francisco smelled on my walk to work this morning. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want to be alone in having to deal with that. It smelled real bad this morning yeah. because of the heat wave we're dealing so with. So for the record, a lot of people think that because San Francisco is in California, it's hot. It's actually a very cold city uh, by California standards. There's the famous Mark Twain quote, the coldest winter I ever had was a summer in San Francisco. Uh, but we get these weird kind of heat waves and uh, we're not used to the smell of garbage. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. It's sort of like when you microwave something for like 90 seconds and it's fine, but it, then you put it in for like 95 seconds and it's <laughs> boiling hot and everything falls apart. That's this city. Yeah, it, uh, it's pretty bad. It reminded me of summers in New York. And I yeah. thought I left that behind, but apparently not. Me too, but minus the, uh, the great pizza. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's not here, but here? also what is here, and if I could just do some more breaking news for Barrett Courtney specifically and no one else out there. Rest in uh, peace, Barrett Courtney. Yeah, rest in peace. Uh, this is in his memory. Steamforge Games, the company behind all of the critical role minis my girlfriend has bought, and uh, the Resident Evil 2 board game, is making Nino Kuni 2, the board game. <laughs> it is available oh. for pre-order right now. It comes out uh, November 8th of this year. It's $40. And it's Nino Kuni 2? It's Nino Kuni 2, the Gosh. board game. Crap. Or as yeah. old Beyond fans might remember, uh, Colin Campbell, famous IGN employee, once called it Ninu Nana. Ah, yes. Uh, I would totally, if there were, are there little miniature figures? There are four character minis. I think it's of the first four characters you get in the game. Okay. If yeah. it was the first game, I would absolutely jump on that just for the little miniatures. Little I like drippy. paint miniatures. I don't like board games. Jonathan, like you, you didn't mention that it comes with six Higgledy tokens. Higgledy. Higgledy tokens. And as longtime Beyond listeners will know, as Barrett once said, Higgledies are lit. But anyway, let's actually move on to uh, things that are relevant to talk about this week. And one of those is the fact that, Max, now that you're back, uh, I want to know what you feel about Yakuza 7 being turn-based. Yeah, so we got a ton of information suddenly dropped about Yakuza 7, like a dragon, or as it's known in Japan, like a dragon 7, Yakuza. They did the whole Resident Evil Biohazard uh, switcheroo thing, okay. which is really smart. Like because, a dragon 7 Yakuza? So in Japan, it's called Ryuga Gatoka, which means like a dragon. They don't okay. just release things called Yakuza because it's, I don't know, it's probably upsets to me people over there or something. Um but yeah, they, they did the whole thing where the, the the sort of the subheading is switched based on which territory it is. Uh, anyway, the big thing about this is they announced that it's going to be turn-based combat. This is a mainline entry in the series. A lot of people are really, really pissed about this, um, which is understandable because after you play sort of, you know, seven or eight games in a series that are all like real-time beat-em-up combat, and then suddenly they're like, we're making it a turn-based RPG. It's kind of like sort of a record scratch. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. The argument behind this is they really want to sort of 
They want to try new things, which I really respect because um, as much as I love that series, it does get a bit formulaic in terms of what systems are in there. And they always right. throw a bunch of really cool mini games and stuff. But, uh, you know, it, and it's weird because the way it's structured, there is a clear sort of delineation between uh, when you're running around exploring and when you're in combat. I've always thought it's funny. Like you, you, in, you have random encounters with enemies and it goes like menacing men or like street thugs. And then <laughs> it goes from like, exploration mode into combat mode. Right. Um, it, almost, it almost feels like an RPG. In it totally, I mean, it totally is an RPG. That's the thing. It's just, it's always had real-time combat. It's been like a beat-em-up RPG, effectively. Uh, but now they're making it so it is a, uh, a, a classical turn-based RPG, supposedly, with a party system. The idea being you're playing as a new protagonist this time around who is this guy named... Uh, uh, it's Ichiban Kasuga, I think. Um, and he's this dude who's sort of... Um, he gets released from prison after 18 years. He's another Yakuza guy. He's a toy. I think he's been introduced in, in Yakuza Online, which is a mobile game in Japan. Uh, but basically, he's a new character for all intents and purposes. Uh, and the idea being that, like, the previous hero, Kazuma Kiryu, is basically this, like, walking army. He's just a badass. He can kick anyone's ass. He's super strong. No one can kill him. But this time around, they're kind of like, let's have a little bit more realism in terms of, like, maybe you got to call some friends up. Right. Um, and the cool thing is there's a bunch of, like, weirdo side characters who will be able to join your party, and you'll be able to, like, summon people, um, which I think is really fun. Um, when this was first announced, a lot of people were like, this sounds terrible. After seeing the sort of gameplay trailer they put out for TGS, it looks really fun. Um, and also, like, the the idea being that if it's a... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the logic behind this exactly. I think that the team really wanted to try something new with with... Turn-based combat, but they also are saying they want to make the world much bigger. Um, oh, okay. And I guess the having—I don't know how turn-based makes that easier, but maybe it's just a little bit less rough edges to sand down or something. Um, Interesting. I I do like. We talked a little bit about it last week, and what I like about it the most—I know you said uh, there are obviously people who are unhappy with this change. Mm -hmm. uh, people are pissed. Yeah. Like in the in the Yakuza subreddit, there's somebody one of the mods had to go in and be like, "Hey, can we be civil about this? <laughs> what was your like? What was your immediate reaction? Oh, I was totally disappointed. Yeah. Because yeah. I do and like it settled right. That's always been the series where you beat the crap out of somebody with a bicycle, right. and yeah. it's much less exciting if you're not slamming on the buttons yourself. But that being said, like I also this was a series that I was like. I don't know. People were like, yeah, it's sort of it's, you know, it's sort of like an action game, but there's like long drawn out cutscenes and there's like a real estate. I was like, I guess I'll check it out. Like I was I was like hesitant to check this series out and it completely hooked me. Have, I'm willing to give it a chance. Have yeah. we seen gameplay of this RPG like turn based combat system yet? Yeah. We have. From the TGS trailer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, and it yeah. looks... It, no, because I'm I'm not looking at it. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that, like, a, I, and I haven't seen Cause it Because you yet. don't like to watch things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, no, but I, I've always appreciated the way something like uh, Paper Mario did it, where it was like, this is an RPG, but it has action elements. There's, there's you know, combat timing. Mm -hmm. There's, like, there's there's prompts that sort of feel not necessarily QTE-ish, but... I'm curious if they have that. It's kind of hard to tell. I haven't looked at it too closely, because, again, I kind of want to... It, it's one of those things you really... You have to try it yourself. It's, mm -hmm. it's a video game. You can scrub over footage all you want, but how it actually feels in your hands is kind of the deciding factor. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like it's, uh, I was I'm, I was initially disappointed, and then actually seeing sort of what they're showing off, it looks uh, it looks completely kooky. The tone of the game looks uh, there's like a story trailer that looks kind of slapstick. Um, there's like a, a story trailer that kind of sets up like why this dude gets sent to jail, and it's currently not translated, so I don't really know what people are saying. But it seems like this main dude goes to a restaurant and like eats a ton of food and then realizes he doesn't have any money and he's like, I guess I'm going to cause a scene. And like, I don't know if that's why he goes to jail, but if he does, that's kind of hilarious. That's I kind of love that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's, uh, there's also like, there's a ton of mini games. There's one, there's kart racing, first of all, which is kind of wild because there's yeah. been, there's been like slot car racing and there's been drone racing and now there's like full blown like riding, riding little go karts through the streets of the city, which wow. I love, which is completely bonkers. And then there's a there's another mini game which I love where you you go to the movies and you have to you have to stay awake. Um, and the way they represent this is like some kind of button pressing mini game where uh, these like terrifying sheep men show up. They look like um, the sheep from Catherine, kind of. They just oh. show up and they're like behind you and they're like they're like trying to make you go to sleep while watching this movie <laughs> and you have to like stay awake. Uh, there's another one where you have to answer multiple choice questions on an exam of some sort, of which course. is like very Japanese, I suppose. But yeah. um, it looks like the same kind mm -hmm. of like gamifying really mundane events that the series is really good at making fun. So I'm like on that basis, like this, I trust this team. Like yeah. I've, I've played a bunch of their games and they've all been really fun and silly in spite of how dumb the thing might like the fact that there is a uh, like a, a host club management sim that is like one of the most fun parts of that series like it's not, you know, it's it's not like a sexy dating thing. It's straight up just 
making it's it's managing waitresses basically mm -hmm. and there's another one where you're like managing real estate and these things are super engrossing and really fun and they're they're definitely they're totally turn-based stuff like they're not like they're it's the same level of like you know management and coordination that and it's not the, it's not as much fun as beating somebody up with a bicycle sure but like right. i i'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt you know yeah, yeah this is not like gta going turn-based this is a this is a, a a series that has a history of going a little bit weirder and off mm -hmm. and also the mini games sort of just like sequestering you into these parts that aren't exactly fundamentally rooted into like the main chaos of it all yeah and i mean um, they've they've gotten they've gotten silly with it there's been like a whole there's been like a whole like rts like tower defense <laughs> mode in that series like they get they get experimental and i think it's really uh it's it's admirable of this team to go out and be like, we want to try something new, and we realize this is risky. We're throwing ourselves at it. We're not doing like a weird spinoff thing. This is like a full fledged title. Please, like, give us a chance. You yeah, know? yeah. Mm -hmm. They're I like how open they're being about it too. They're like, give us a chance. If it doesn't work out and everyone hates it when you've played it, mm -hmm. we'll go back. Yeah, like they are pretty open about I, that. Which I, I think appreciate. people forget that the like ten or fifteen hours a year they spend playing a sequel was two years, three years in development. And so while you fly through something quickly, for a development team, like they have just been doing this one thing for this long. And I appreciate them sort of being able to say, hey, uh, we want to try something new. Because your, you know, your weekend playing this game mm -hmm. is just one section of your life. But for them, it's it's two whole years of them being like, this is what we're doing. So yeah, mm -hmm. shake my, it up a little my bit. One, my one concern is that, and this is sort of like a, a, a moot point because like there is totally... There's totally padding and grinding involved in the Yakuza series, but as as it is, uh, I find that like turn-based stuff, I'm, I especially notice when there's like padding, mm. like when it, when you're just doing random encounters and just battles, and you're like, oh, I've got to yeah. just grind. I kind of hate that, and there's this, I have this weird block where I'm like, I will not play the turn-based thing unless it's portable, which is like I'm totally like I'm like I will totally finish Persona Five if it comes to Switch. Right, I get like that, I yeah. will finally beat Nino Kuni on Switch. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. what, what's wrong with me? Why can't well, I sit down and do something turn-based? No, I'm with you on that. I, honestly, I, it, honestly I, I played a lot of games on Vita like that because they were something I could do while looking at something else. Like, yeah. it's not inherently the smartest thing in the world to grind RPG levels. Like, to have that dominate a 65 inch television seems like counterproductive when you can watch a movie and just kind of like, yeah. you know, level I hope, up. I hope that um, Yakuza 7 takes a cue from Persona and has like the sort of auto auto battle mode. Yeah, yeah. Because that was, I think, a really cool kind of quality of life. Persona has some really good workarounds to make the monotony of turn-based stuff. Sometimes you're able to run past it very quickly. I so, mean, yeah. and and Judgment definitely had some like Persona 5 DNA in it. And yeah. it, that's this, I mean, it's also a Sega game. It would not surprise me one bit if those guys talked to each other a little bit. And kind mm -hmm. of, For sure. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Looking forward to hearing more about that. Uh, before we get into all of the other TGS stuff, I did want to pause briefly to mention, because it's a pretty big piece of PlayStation news that happened to coincide um good old jeff Keeley, how you doing jeff uh in addition to announcing the uh game awards fifth anniversary uh happening this december are they remastering week, it there yeah it's the remastered game awards he's doing put out the first one in 4k he's doing the vgx with uh joel McHale over yeah. again but in, yeah. in, in uh 4k 60 frames per it's second. now turn based yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wait for joel to insult you um so he happened to put out on twitter an image that said the last of us part two media event september 24th 2019 los angeles california please rsvp to your pr contact putting out this notice for a media event yeah that's a weird way of distributing that news it is i am allowed to say i have received that image as well that is all i can say about that event mm -hmm. i am aware of the event so wait do you mean to suggest that the last of us two will be coming out at some point? I think it will be a real game at some point, yes. I don't think that breaks That's, Okay, so so I don't know a whole lot here, but that seems to be, like, I was not expecting to hear about, like, hands-on preview event stuff for Last of Us for quite some time. I was not either. Yeah, so I, that seems... You know, you know how you sell a million PS4s this Christmas? You drop some new preview media right, mm. right before the like, yeah. Black Friday. Like, yeah. seriously, this is September 24th. I imagine there'll be a week or two embargo. People will see a whole bunch of new stuff, potentially a release date, and then they'll go... Okay, this is We've we've talked about this. I am so envious of people who wait until like the very tail end of a console cycle and they're like, "Yeah, all right, I'll give it a shot." Like the person who waited until <laughs> The Last of Us came out to buy a PS3 and then went through the entire back catalog. Yeah. Whoever's doing that this time around, they're like, "Yeah, I'll jump on a PS4 Pro, why not?" And then they play Last of Us 2 and then they work backwards from there. I mean, there's a there's a 
there's a like sort of tremendous reward to being patient in video games. It's just none of us are capable. Dude, early adopting yeah. sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're there. Like, I, so they just put out like their the the new Switch, right? Not the Switch Lite, but the one that like has like four, the remodeled battery. Yeah. yeah, And it's it's got all this like you know tiny little tweaks that make it a little bit better. And I saw a bunch of people that were pissed off, and I was sitting there being like, "Well, they gave me two hundred dollars for my original one, so it cost me a hundred dollars basically to play Switch for for two and a half years. So that's a good deal. But also, yeah, you are essentially beta testing the the best version of something that's yet to come. If you come in on day one of the, with a PS4 in fall twenty nineteen, <laughs> this library of hundreds of games that are all like dirt cheap and used right now and on digital sales all the time, yeah, you're." You're kind of really smart. I mean, you're going to save a ton of money. Then you, you know, you weren't really part of the conversation the last few years. But I think people like mostly remember, don't care. Do you remember yeah. those like those doldrums in like 2014 where it was like, well, the launch window stuff is out, and we've, oh, we're sort was, of tired. And then it's just yeah. like, like when when it was like the Destiny Alpha, and you're like, well, <sighs> Shadow Shadow of Mordor. All right, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, when when is when are things coming out? For the love of God, yeah. give us games. I was at EW at the time, and they were like, "Hey, do our games coverage for us?" And it was slow then, in like slimmer pickings for sure. But I'd be like, "Yeah, there's a Lord of the Rings game in South Park. That's what we're going to focus on." Because mm-hmm. it was like, there's no. It was such a different time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah some indies here and there. I mean. Yeah, but, but yeah, anyway, now now we're getting toward the end of things, so we will likely hear more about The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, soon, um, there is, of course, all the speculation about uh, the February release date rumors uh, that were abounded. And then also at the GameStop uh, managers conference, apparently Troy Baker was there to show off some Last of Us Part Two gameplay. Oh. So it only makes sense that some stuff would come in. It is worth noting Naughty Dog does stuff on September 26th every year because that is outbreak day. Uh, when the Cordyceps virus broke out in the fiction of The Last of Us. Anniversary of when Crash Bandicoot escaped from his enclosure <laughs> and started breaking all those boxes. That was definitely an outbreak. A day I, I love so much. Uh, and so they usually do something to celebrate then, so I wouldn't be surprised if we get at least a trailer drop that day. But yeah. uh, it's kind of crazy to think that we're getting Last of Us Part Two something before the end of the year. Um, I love how little we know about that game. I was yeah. just going to say, yeah, I sort of appreciate their lights out approach on this one where we heard about it and then heard about it a year later and then didn't really hear anything for a long yeah. time. And you, you compare that to something like Death Stranding, which we'll talk about later, which is like this, you know, on off, on off thing. So uh, I really can't wait to see what they're doing with this. I think that like my gut reaction to The Last of Us Part Two was that we didn't need it years yeah. ago, but I feel like it's been long enough that I'm like, if they're going to tell this story... I have a feeling it's because they have a reason to. Yeah. It's also like, it's been years now since like I've, I've connected with those characters and we left them in such an interesting spot. Yeah. And I, yeah. The, the ending to the last of us is one of my favorite video game endings of all time. And it was definitely a thing of like, Nope, that's how that story should end. Yeah. And so I, d- I definitely feel that they have a story they want to tell because at the end of the day, naughty dog could probably just make, <clears throat> excuse me, more uncharted. Like yeah. if, if this was a thing about money or using a brand name that they know, they could just make uncharted five. Yeah. I, I think about it sort of like Breaking Bad is, you know, one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Yeah. And it has, I believe, a f- pretty perfect ending. And I was like, I'm good. And then they were like, we're making a prequel series. And I was like, ah, oh, it doesn't need to happen. And then I watched it. And I'm like, this is excellent. And then they were like, we're making a Netflix movie. And it comes out in a month. And I'm like, yep. okay, well, like, clearly you know what you're doing. You have a story to tell here. I want to see what happens with these characters. Let's do this. I, I feel think the same way about The Last of Us. There's something special about like waiting for something to sort of percolate and be like, to sort of let the dust settle and be like, well, what's the story you want to tell now? Yeah. You know, as yeah. opposed to being like, I don't know, like churning out the sequel three years later because you are expected to. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have something to say yet? And I think they've put let enough kind of let it breathe enough. Well, it was, it was just like, like this week, the creators of Celeste were like, the game is done. We have nothing more to say about the story. Like the story of Celeste is, is over and we're happy and, you know, we're not going to make a sequel. But, you know, if an idea comes to us a few years from now, yeah. we'll, we'll think yeah. about it. And I, yeah. I like that so much more than like Celeste will return, you know, and just banking on that being an annualized thing. Uh, letting it sit there on, until you're ready to do it again feels like really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when it's something so many players connected so emotionally deeply with. Yep. You don't want to betray that with a sequel that is just pumped out to mm-hmm. make some money. So yeah. I mean, also Naughty Dog is a studio that has clearly grown up with the medium. Yeah. Like they have, and I don't know how much, I don't, I don't know what that, you know, there's that whole like Plato's ship thing where you like move people come and go from a studio. So like, I don't know who is still there. That's sort of you know, driving the ship. Who, how many original uh, developers are there, but like 
it's cool to see that studio go from like, here is Orange Bandicoot to like, well, here's heartfelt storytelling and like a sad ending. Yeah. Right. And also like uh, some of the most technical, like groundbreaking video game stuff ever made. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, yeah. the animation stuff we saw two years ago for this game is, is far and away above what anybody else is doing. And it's been two years. I, I honestly think that that's going to be the next, like the, that will be the sort of like, the, the things that define the next generation, I don't think it's going to be like larger environments and I don't even think it's going to be like 60 frames per second locked. You know, I, I, I think it's going to be stuff like animation. It's going to be stuff that's like, when you look at it, you go, oh wow, this is, this is, this is different than just like, how many people can you fit on screen? How many polygons can you fit? It's going to be about like, like capturing performance. The fidelity of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, give me a world a quarter the size of a GTA map, but at, that is as richly detailed as it, could possibly be, and yeah. I will happily take that over a much larger space that is more sparse. I totally agree. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting, very interesting to see much more of Last of Us Part Two. I can't believe that's a real game so, we're going so to be able to Speaking of very sparse, large yeah. Spaces. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's uh, jump right into that. Uh, we got uh, as of this recording, and I think there's more to come uh, probably right after this. Forty nine minutes of Death Stranding gameplay. We have seen essentially the flow of gameplay, and I will say, for those listening or watching at home, uh, Hideo Kojima himself has said, if you are sold on this game, don't watch yeah. the gameplay. We, of course, watched the gameplay. Um, <laughs> but if you don't want to know, we're going to go into detail about what's in the gameplay. So if you don't want to hear that, uh, there will be time codes probably wherever this is posted, so look for those. But uh, we, we honestly went from... I, I need to see more of this game to fully understand what it is to don't show me another second. I'm sold. That's exactly where I am right now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm completely in. I'm good. I, I like peaked a little bit at some of the stuff and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm I, all in. Let's I scrubbed this. through it. Like yeah. I skimmed it because I am sold on this, but I am like, what? Let's, I need to more talk about it. You know? yes. yeah. 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 I, I did a similar thing. I mean, he said like ages ago, uh, this is an open world action adventure game with stealth elements. And we saw that. Yep. And I think everything sort of leading up to that, he's like, it's a new kind of game. It's a strand game. And it's like, well... It's not a stealth game. It's not a stealth game. Like, yeah, he, he said that. He didn't say... Did he say outright it's not yeah. a stealth game? Yeah, straight did, up. I think he... I don't know. He said... he. One of the first things he said was like, it is an open world action game with with like with stealth elements. This was like way back in the day when people were like, what kind of a game is it? And he's like, oh, it's not that unfamiliar. But like, I think the sort of... Those are kind of the, the sort of familiar... That's like the, the, the found... You know, fundamental elements. That is the... That is the sort of bread and butter part, but like the stuff that he's actually pushing, the stuff he wants to really do is is the the weirder kind of forefront stuff that he's showing off. Yeah, here's the uh, <laughs> June fourth, twenty nineteen. So understandably during E three, uh -huh. his quote was, uh, "Death Stranding is not a stealth game. Could move subjectively, but not a first person shooting game either. By incorporating with the concept of connection (parenthesis strand), it's totally brand new genre called action game strand game, social strand system. Yeah, and I remember that like not necessarily letting people down, but sort of irking them a bit because it's 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 somebody telling you a lot of what something isn't going to be and not necessarily what something is. And now mm. that we're seeing it, it's like, oh no, it has it has a bunch of that stuff. He also did mention that there will be first person segments. Yeah, I think yeah. some of the elements. And so yeah. Yeah, so I, I feel like, okay, so let's talk about what we, do, what we have seen, what we did yes. see in action. So this 49 minute demo essentially goes through what like the sort of like your mission structure will be as you're playing Death Stranding. So it showed uh, Sam Bridges, the Norman Reedus character, going from essentially the, like, depot where he starts his missions. The uh, Not City? Yeah, Capital Not City Distribution Center is where it begins. So he takes a mission and prepares for the journey ahead. Uh, you essentially see him planning out his uh, the mission, where he's going to go on the map, what equipment he wants to bring with him, both what he wants to mod his body with, as well as the stuff that he's going to actually carry. And then we see him go out into the field and some chaos can ensue. Right. Um, so knowing that we all haven't necessarily watched all 49 minutes to keep some of the mystery uh, apprised, what did you guys see? What did stand out to you in this demo? Um, both on the gameplay level, both in the world, because uh, those are two of the things that it's I'm really funny watching. Like, uh, first of all, like if you showed me the original, like the original cutscenes and trailers for this, like they are so. I think there's bits and pieces in there hitting it what the gameplay is like, but for the most part, that's just like Kojima cutscene nonsense. Yeah. Um, the moment to moment gameplay. I think I called this a while ago. Uh, I have a, I have a tweet that I mostly said as a joke where I think I was like, this is going to be, you know, like a cutting edge. Uh, post-apocalyptic paperboy and I was not wrong 
because it is a game about being a mailman. Like you are, this is the postman with Kevin Costner, except <laughs> filtered through Yoji Shinkawa having much better character design. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you, I mean, the whole thing, it, it's also, uh, it's, it feels like sort of like a weird reverse engineered video game based on social media. Like the currency of the game is likes. Yeah. Like the baby gives you thumbs up for doing stuff, which is like, if you told me that like four, three years ago, I'd be like, that sounds like a joke. That's a goof. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing is you're, you are, you are building connections, strands, whatever, between different areas. Uh, and I really, really like this because it seems like it's taking that, that feeling you get in open world games, which is usually sort of a secondary, like a secondary game element of like unlocking new areas of just, of discovering things and of, of like, you know, when you get to a, a new spot, you're like, Oh, I found a new outpost. Usually it's like the, the gameplay is like capturing the outpost or right. beating that dungeon or, or clearing out that area as opposed to just discovering it. Um, and so this is like, you, you load yourself up with all this gear and the whole thing is like you are delivering a bunch of crap to people who live out in this weird wasteland of America. And they only greet you by hologram, it seems. Yeah, because <laughs> they're scared to come outside because yep. everyone lives underground because of like ghosts. Like Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a little bit of Bloodborne in there too though where people on the internet, like strangers, can like leave treasures for you or leave notes. Um, there's an entire, uh, there's a whole system, that's the whole social side of it of um, you know, we saw that whole bit where he takes out a ladder and he can climb up the side of a mountain. Uh, kindly players can also leave a ladder there for you. Yeah. Like if you start that game up and other people have been playing it, um, there will be like hints and you can look at, you can find like other people's footprints to see which is the best route to kind of go around stuff, which is, I love that. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, the sort of the FromSoft approach to multiplayer of that weird, like, I don't know, you're like, oh, there's a there's a bloody echo here. What does it mean? And it's like, good place for somersaults or whatever, or like, hark, vile birds ahead. And you're like, thank you, I think. And it's yeah. like, it reminds me of the, the first time you saw another player in Journey. Yeah. Where you yeah. weren't expecting to. And no one told you that was, maybe they, maybe if you're lucky, nobody told you that was going to happen. And you turn the corner and you're like, there's an, another me. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. we're helping each other. Um, I, I really adore the sort of, um, the the element of discovery in this game and the, and the element of surprise in, like, sort of coming over a canyon and all of a sudden you're in this area and it's populated with something you've never seen before. That's really special to me. That that brings that sort of like uh, that you know journey across of a, a new land even though this is a, a known existing quantity. Um that was some of my favorite parts of Metal Gear Solid 5 was being like I understand what's happening here and all of a sudden spooky, you know, ghost monster mm -hmm. people would show up and you'd have to fight them. And it was sort of out of nowhere. I really love elements of video games like that where you're like, I have a firm grasp and understanding of what I'm going to do today. And then boom, like something comes out of nowhere. Metal Gear Solid Five had a weird thing for it as an open world game where I feel like it was more of an almost like an open world neighborhood. Like there were, it, it's like if you took all of the levels of a game and just made them near each other. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't so much about exploring the world. It was about like you, you were to go to one of those things. And if you wandered off the beaten path, you'd wind up at another one. But like there was a clear separation between different sort of game areas. This feels like it's almost focusing on uh, getting between those. Like you do obviously have a home base, but it's not like you're going to be getting in your helicopter and getting put down near one of these things. Right. Like it seems much more, much more about sort of the the. Uh, the journey than the destination. Yeah, that like getting through the environment and seems to be as important as the combat or getting to the location. And I think what plays into that, and I just wanted to bring it up, Sam has nine stats uh, according to the gameplay, which included movement speed, balance, rugged terrain resistance, sync level, battery capacity, stamina, fatigue resistance, carrying capacity, resistance to falling unconscious, and lung capacity. There's also a separate section for balance recovery. Um, but it's not clear how this is measured or displayed. So it's a lot of systems to juggle. There's yeah. so much going on in this game, and I'm really excited about it because sort of at the end of the day, like it still does have like the part where you can sneak into an outpost and strangle somebody and tie them up and then steal their things, which is fun. I like that part of, of video games that looks very Phantom Painty. which I showed that to you, Brian, and yeah. you were like, oh, yeah, that totally looks like Metal Gear 5. Mm -hmm. Like it's great, which is, which is, it's a familiar thing nestled within this stuff that's otherwise kind of bonkers. The whole like delivery system where you, you load yourself up with it's it's completely doing away with that nonsense hammer space that we see in games where like I don't know Link is carrying an entire armory, <laughs> but it's you know it's just it's just it's there it's there somewhere it's in it's in a nebulous space. They're like, what if you, what if you showed that to the player? Like, right. what if every one of those things was visually represented and reflected in the gameplay? So you have to like gear yourself up. Like, there's a whole thing where it shows um, uh, Sam's center of gravity, and if you're like 
if you're, it's like bringing groceries in from the car. Like it's a game of that, yeah. of trying to carry all the stuff in at once. But like you, <laughs> you, if you put too much stuff on him and there's a little too much on one side, if he's like running full sprint, he's going to tilt that way and you're going to have to correct it. There's all this weird, like, I think um, uh, Chris Kohler wrote a thing on Kotaku breaking this down and it was like, it's sort of like an actual person simulator <laughs> in that if <laughs> if you're fighting somebody, you sort of have to choose like, which hand will you be trying to grab them with? Yeah. Like even during some action, some of the like basic combat, it would he'd punch a guy, and then like three options would come up and be like, use your left hand, use your right hand, use your put him on leg. your back. Yeah, and it was throw like throw your oh, purse at him. Like okay. what do you yeah. do? It it feels like there's going to be a lot to get used to. Yeah, which I'm games have become so like you can figure it all out in the first twenty minutes. It's kind of interesting to be like, what was that uh, Angry Birds game where you had to build little cars? You remember that? Uh, Angry Birds First Kart cars? Racing? No, 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 no. Do, it was do you like, mean Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts? It was a Nuts and Bolts. I got it with the Angry Birds one was like a ripoff of it. But like uh, any, okay. any physics-based game where you have to like build a thing and then make it sort of work. I mean, there's basically like a Kerbal Space Program at like angle here. Yeah. Where you are loading this man up with a bunch of boxes. Right. And then you have to make him move around this world. And also his feet will get hurt if he's carrying too many boxes. Um, Yeah, I, I think that sounds... Tremendously interesting. I don't know if people will find all of it fun, which is a very different thing. I mean, I think it's gonna it's gonna attract a very select type of person. I think it's also going to be phenomenal to see. Like, I think there's gonna be a bunch of crazy gifts, a bunch of weird Twitch streamers, a bunch of people like attempting really strange things with it. Um, There's that game where like you have to build a a a bridge and trucks go over it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Again, like I don't know what this game is. I just see like gifts of it on Reddit. I'm like, this is wild. Like that's. I think it's going to be sort of like that, but with a man. Also, it just hit me. This is like a deconstructed Skyrim where you are you are carrying all of this crap, but it actually, it's not just like you go from like, you have all these things. Oh, you're over encumbered. You can't run. This is like, oh, everything you have will make you slightly more over encumbered. There's also Every- lots of ladders in this game, which Bethesda is very bad at. Exactly. But also there's that whole, there's that whole thing of, of Skyriming, which is where you like, I don't know, you're going to take this horse and make it go like, you know, 90 degrees up the side of a mountain. Yep. Uh, in this case, they're like, not really. How are you going to do that? Like, this is this is kind of a weird hiking game where you're uh, like. I, ironically, I spend probably twenty percent of my time in Horizon Zero Dawn, running on the same engine as this game, janking up the mountain. Yeah, as yeah. We called it. So this is a this is a game where it's like, what if that was the game mechanic? Is like getting yep. up the thing. Also, the, the way you um, so many games, they're like, yeah, set your waypoint. That is going to be a straight line for you. This has like multi-point waypointing where you look at the map and you can see elevation, you can see different sort of gullies and things. Is this the? I think this is the first game I've seen where you can actually like, you can do like a multi-point like navigation path thing. like that. Yeah, I don't know. Which is also like, how is this? How is it taking us this long? Yeah. So many games are just like you put down. There's point A and point B. This is like, well, no, you've got to go around something there. I had that happen in Breath of the Wild constantly, which was obviously a very liberal game when it came to allowing you to climb literally everything. And in its um, politics. Yeah, and yeah. it's <laughs> incredibly, yeah, Ganon was very anti-gun. Um, and so they would uh, allow you to basically like pinpoint something, but then you'd get there and you'd be like, oh, crap, there's a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Um, my question about this game, we know it's about walking across America, and Max and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. Um, you're essentially walking a line across the country, reconnecting nodes and bringing, you know, the chiral so, network yeah, together. It's the yeah. civilization back together, which I love. I, I find that so interesting. Um, but can, like, how much wiggle room is there? Is there, like, can you go to Chicago? Can you go to Texas? Like, how what how is that represented? How big is this world? Is it basically just, like, this sort of narrow path with some wiggle room within it? Or can you kind of, like, up it, you know, graph chart a little bit? Just Yeah, like, how structured is that yeah. going to be? And what I love about that is like when you talk to people who have driven across the country, which I've never done, I've always wanted to do. Um, it's harder for me to do now that I have a kid. That sounds like a huge pain in the <laughs> shit. Uh, it, the idea of basically going across the country and then uh, people will tell you stories of like, well, when you get here, there's nothing for the longest stretch. But then there's all this stuff happens. But then there's this crazy stuff and you want to get out of there as fast as possible. But then this happens and it's beautiful and it's cool. I love all that. And then you get to the, you know, the, the coast and there's these booming populations and cities 
in this game, obviously, it, we don't know what's there. You know, there could be the apocalypse. That's the end of the world. Whatever it is, there's so much question there. And so I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that element plays out, that travel element. People have reductively called this a walking simulator. I think that's like, first of all, Mario is a jumping simulator. Shut up. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. It, it, it's also like walking is in, is something we do constantly. It's not inherently a bad thing. If you watch any gameplay for this, you know that you do a lot more than just walking. But also, walking brings with you discovery. When I go to major cities, I don't Uber everywhere. I pick a point in the map. I start in the center of it. I always pick a hotel in the city center, and then I start walking in a different direction. And I stop when I'm tired, and I sit down, and I get a beer, mm -hmm. a drink, and food, and then I keep walking again. That element of discovery is Take a mud bath, play yeah. the harmonica for your <laughs> exactly. baby. Jump in the river, you know? Do a dunk. Um, <laughs> that element of discovery uh, that you find just navigating your own body through a strange new place mm. is one of the coolest things in the world that you can do as a human being on planet Earth. And to replicate that in a video game with sci-fi insanity is incredibly cool. I do uh, think... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, um, I think it's. it feels... Again, we don't know what this game is, but it, I'm really excited about the prospect of what, it, what it's shaped like because so many, so often we think open world and we think it is a big circle or a yeah. big square, and it and you start at some point and you just kind of go every which way. And like, I mean, Breath of the Wild was a phenomenal kind of revisit revisiting of that and, and kind of picking it apart and basically just turning you loose and being like, go wherever out the gate, beat the last boss, we don't care, do whatever you want. Um, and we've seen other games kind of do different approaches where it's open worlds. No period, like where it's different, two different areas. Metal Gear Solid Five was like that. Um, I mean, Red Dead was sort of like, here's a huge, living, breathing ecosystem. Figure it out. Uh, I'm. It's it's odd, sort of how we are as people because we don't. There's no such thing as fast travel in real life. There's stuff that's close to it, but generally there there's always going to be. You always have to go from point A to point B, and there's always sort of a thrill of the first time you go to someplace new. And I feel like open worlds. There's something they skip there. There's something that's sort of skipped about the journey where there's always going to be that level of tedium between point A and point B. Yeah. And in real life, there's it's not always the case. You can get horribly lost in a boring city, and that's tedious. But like that idea of, of having a, a journey, a point A to point B, uh, and having their like there's we talk about open world games and linear games. Yep. And there's sometimes there's wide linear, like I don't know, there's branching paths within a uh within a, a, a linear game, but like we haven't seen an open world game that's taking this map and stretching it out. Everything, you're right in that everything is always a giant square or a giant oval or a giant circle or something like that. And again, um, Horizon, which is a game that essentially uh, took fast travel and gated it until you were a few hours in. Like that was something you didn't have right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And that those first few hours um, were admittedly frustrating because I wanted to go visit things again, but I had to walk there. But it was also like rife with discovery mm. because I didn't have the option to bail at any given moment. And I remember reading about Breath of the Wild and people being like, I specifically am avoiding fast travel because this is about the journey. This is about discovery. The idea of an open world game that is long and stretched instead of fat and wide. I've been wanting this for years now. Yeah. I had, a, I had, a, really weird, cool. I had a weird dream ages ago about like navigating on, like you think about, like the road, the movie, like it's this this concept of a journey of of going from one place to another, but like there's always going to be stuff sidetracking you, right? Uh, and I love the idea of being like, and Final Fantasy 15 almost did this. It was so close, but then it totally fell into this like stupid backtracky open world approach where it's like that if that game had been stretched out across one giant road and it was basically a a very wide linear road trip game, it would have been really cool. But again, that's a world that's full of like kooky monsters left yep. and right. Horizons the same way where you. you Looking at Death Stranding, you were like, it looks kind of sparse. Like there's less robot chickens running around and, and nonsense animals every which way, which honestly I really like because when you go out and explore the world, there frequently are stretches that are boring. And there's something, I'm not going to say that Death Stranding is realistic, but there's something, like I think you appreciate when something huge happens if there's sort of moments of, of, of peace between those um, things. I mean, that is the entire sort of foundation that something like Shadow of the Colossus is built on, right? You have minimalism and then you have holy crap. This is something I've never seen before in my entire life. Um, we also, you know, I've, I've referenced Yodorowsky's El Topo a million times in the show. That is a that is a movie that uh, is essentially about an assassin going through a spiral in a desert to reach the center, which is essentially a straight line. It is a giant circle, but he is moving from sparse areas and deadly quiet to 
nightmarish, freakish, weird, bizarre fight, mini boss fights. If you've ever played a FromSoft game, please watch that movie. It's super <laughs> weird. It sort of collapses at the end, but whatever. Um, that's the same sort of idea, right? It is, it is quiet and it is empty and it is vast until it's not, and then it's special, and then it, and then it like breathes again. You know? I'm, I'm really interested to actually get to play this game and see what that flow is like because I do think it is going to be a quieter game like a calmer game at a lot of points than we are used to playing like we are used to games of this scale and of this budget uh and sort of of this promotion level being games that are like excuse me constantly what is the next thing that's going to energize you what is the next thing that's going to excite you and a game that is like no take a minute to bathe yourself in the river to you know cool off um or to just pet your baby and make sure it is okay, or to just try to get up this slope. There is no enemy to fight. You just need to walk up the slope. It's such a different approach to a game, and I'm just really Mm -hmm. excited to play something that feels different. I mean, there's there's something actually kind of zen about that, about recognizing. I mean, in in terms of gamifying the most mundane elements, that's, I think, a really interesting challenge. Like, Kojima is the guy who pioneered an idea of, like, the stealth genre being, here's a game about war where you were trying to avoid the combat yeah here's a game about like maybe the path of least resistance is actually a good one here but there's a challenge in that and the challenge for the game designer is to make that fun for the player yeah and the guys had a pretty good track record of making really cool games so i'm willing to give him you know benefit of the doubt to call this a walking simulator is like that's that's incredibly reductive as it is with any time that that title is applied to something to call this a uh, traversal simulator, maybe that's kind of an interesting approach. Like, yeah. is, this, is this a, I mean, the game journey, people are like, it's not a game. You don't do anything. You jump around and collect pieces of a scarf. And it's like, well, it's, 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 mm. it's hiking with purpose. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whether that plays to the people who want really like twitchy action games, there's a million of those. Um, so we'll see. I mean, this could be a boring turd. Yeah. It's straight up. But yeah. there's also, I mean, we again, don't know. there yeah. is also combat. There is also, like we saw a good yeah. look at a boss fight, which apparently is weak against human bodily fluids. Can you piss on the boss to kill it? I don't I know. So. This is a game from a guy who made a game where you can fight an old sniper who you can make die of old age by changing your PS2 system clock. So maybe. maybe. Yeah. 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 We, we haven't even gotten to all of the weird Kojima-esque like fourth wall breaking elements there could be in this game. Yes. We don't even know how I'm, that's yeah. going to. Or yeah. the humor, really. I'm, I mean, we've yes. seen glimpses of it. I'm relieved to see this properly in action. I wish I hadn't because I was sort of already on board with it. Um, I think I might go on full blackout now. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm good. Yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm good yeah. on this, Star Wars, and a bunch of other crap that I'm excited <laughs> for. I'm good. I'm sorry. Uh, well, we'll stop talking there. A um, few other TGS things I do want to bring up uh, before we start to wrap up things. Uh, the Resident Evil tease for a new game was revealed officially. It is called Project Resistance. That is the name of it currently. Uh, it will have a closed beta in October. It is a multiplayer 4v1 spinoff, um, an asymmetrical PvP game where four players work together to escape the clutches of a player-controlled mastermind. Um, the spinoff... I'm sorry, I'm reading through the story as we go... Uh, takes place on the outskirts of Raccoon City, uh, similar to games like Friday the 13th and Dead by Daylight. The four survivor characters are controlled by players who must work together and escape three levels, all while overcoming zombies and traps placed by a fifth player who's playing as the mastermind. So it has some uh, sort of saw elements to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you basically get to, uh, if you were playing that other character, you get to plot the ways those characters can yeah, hopefully Matt, die. Yeah, Matt Kim uh, got to play this the other day and came back kind of just like totally glowing about it and, and was sort of spilling the beans to us. And I, I'm super interested in this. In in the same way that uh, I, I, I'm happy that we have Resident Evil 7, we have Resident Evil 2, and I'm sure they're making a Resident Evil 3 remake. The fact that this can sit on the side along along with all those things is, if this was the only focus where this franchise was going, mm-hmm. I'd be like, ugh. We've seen put some, this next to everything else and I'm, I'm in. We've seen some major sort of swings and misses from the, the Resident Evil franchise where it's like, ah, it's uh, Operation Raccoon City or it's uh, like Umbrella Corps Ops or yeah. whatever it's called. Like, there have been all those ones that are sort of like, nah. This feels, it's cool they're putting this out, kind of a weird soft launch, doing a, a public beta. Uh, also not calling it Resident Evil 8. I like yeah. that a lot. Also, um, we've seen, there was that one from uh, Bioware that was canceled that was like this, where it was an asymmetrical thing where one player was basically the sort of dungeon master, oh, yeah. which I, I played at PAX and then it just disappeared. Uh, it was called, like, I think, Shadow Realms or something. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally and then there was that. Fable Legends. Was it Fable Legends, I think? Again, again, a canceled game 
it was the same premise, and we still haven't seen anybody actually, as far as I know, come out and do this. We've seen games like Evolve or Friday the 13th or Dead by Daylight, which is four, basically four players uh, trying to survive with you know familiar real-time gun combat stuff. And then one player is like sort of overpowered and like a monster. Yeah, like Predator. But it's I like that idea of like, here is shooter versus like tower defense, basically. Yeah. Right. The uh, the fifth player, you essentially control a set of security cameras. Uh, so it's not a third person perspective, but you have these security cameras that overlook the level and you can summon traps and zombies in strategic locations. Eventually, the mastermind can also summon a Mr. X tyrant and control him. Which feels a little a little bit Five Nights at Freddy's, which I kind of dig. Like the the concept of like swap, moving around security cameras and mm-hmm. stuff like that uh, and analyzing the environment and then like messing with things. Yeah. Um, it could have totally phoned this in and had just one player play as Mr. X or a, a liquor or whatever. Yeah. Know, like, but they didn't, which I really like. Yeah. yeah. No, I like the idea of four people sort of banding together and getting the strength to take down this this horrible thing who is your friend yeah. in real life. Like that's really. I, I totally want us to do a let's play of this one when we get the opportunity. Cause yeah, it sounds like a blast. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And the four characters they've revealed so far are all different classes, basically. So one's a support character, one's a hacker, one's a tank, one's more of an attacker. Um, what's interesting about this is Capcom, when uh, Matt Kim and Brendan Graber, who went to the preview event, uh, when they spoke to Capcom about it, they were calling this game an experiment. Like they are not calling it a full like release product that they're planning. You know, I can think of another company that did a lot of experiments. They're called the Umbrella Corporation. Ooh. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, I'm sure nothing could go wrong. Yeah. But, no, it's, uh, that's, that's really cool. Um, I love this. I feel like Capcom has really, really turned themselves around in, in recent years. Yeah. Uh, and it's awesome to see them kind of be transparent about that and be like, hey, uh, we are, we're checking this out. We're trying something new. Yep. Don't, yeah. like, calm down. I, I mean, they're not saying <laughs> Resident Evil 8 is on the way, but it probably is. Yeah. You don't make yeah. seven of something and change and then not make an eighth one. So. I mean, yeah. two, two of the highest reviewed games of 2019 are Devil May Cry and Resident Evil 2. And if you had told me that, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was, like back in You'd the day. You'd be like, what's Devil May Cry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, like that that's a franchise yeah. that started, you know, that was like sort of concurrent at, at the same sort of peaks and valleys of Resident Evil. And uh, I that's it's really cool to see that all that happening again right now. Yeah. Like that's a that's a company that's really getting it together. The idea of them sort of creating this game as a concept and then unleashing it on players and being like if it works, we'll finish it and then you you can have it instead of just being like we don't care if it works, we're selling it is is really cool. It's really cool to see. So it's up to yeah. us really to play this, and if we like it, then, yeah, then I, we'll make it. I'm super excited to give it a try. Uh, people can sign up for the beta currently uh, through September 19th, while the closed beta is scheduled for October 4th to October 7th. Uh, if you want to know more about the game before then, though, uh, Brendan Graber wrote up a huge preview of his and Matt Kim's impressions of it, as well as Matt Kim wrote up all of the info, so you can go check that out on IGN. A couple other things before we wrap up with the memory card. I did want to briefly mention Dragon Ball Z Kakarot has a release date now. Uh, It's coming out January 17th, 2020, uh, and they confirmed the Majin Buu saga. so excited. Me too. Are you you a Dragon Ball dude? I watched Dragon Ball Z every day after school as a kid. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I I never watched Dragon Ball. I never watched the original, but Dragon Ball Z, I watched every day, was super obsessed with it, played like the Legacy of Goku games. Dude, this looks like these like HD version of yeah, that. So they, that's what I'm excited about. I loved those games and this feels like, oh, this is just, yeah, the modern day incarnation of mm-hmm. that. And the fact that they are including as much as they are has me so excited. Uh, I know you've been able to talk to some of the devs and everything at E3 uh, and seen more of the game than I have, I think. But yeah, I, I'm just super excited to get this and I love that it's taking that early 2020 spot. So that many- is a weird release date. Yeah, I'll say that's a that's historically that's when it's been a Capcom game a lot of times. Well, that's that, yeah, that's also like a great week for kids to spend gift cards they got at Christmas. Like that's where that comes in. It's people without it's it's people of all ages, but it's a bunch of people either being like, I finished my Christmas game or uh, I got a bunch of money and I, I, I it's burning a hole in my pocket. So, yeah. um yeah, that's 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 always a Capcom time. I remember. I think Resident Evil Four came out early January. Early yeah, January. so at least through the last few years, Kingdom Hearts was this year from Square. Oh right. Last year was Monster Hunter World, and the year before that was RE Seven in January. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's definitely become a. There's no quiet time of the year anymore for releases, no, but no. yeah, that that game is impressing me a lot more than I expected it to. So I'm really looking forward. It's to It's a more cool way that. to kick off the year too. Yeah. Also, year is going to be insane. Yes. Yeah. It's also it's very easy to sort of tune out Dragon Ball games because they've. Dragon Ball Z, GT, Super, whatever the hell it is. Uh, they, 
since sort of day one, that series kind of uh, grew up alongside video games, and it's very easy to look at like a martial arts anime and be like, make a fighting game. Okay, there have been so many Dragon Ball fighting games yeah. over the years. There have been a handful of platformers, one or two RPGs. To do like a full-blown like action RPG story game that's quasi-open world is like, I'm I'm so excited. Also, this is a game that does not ignore like the weird little nuances and like like side quest filler episode nonsense things. So like yeah. this is, I, I feel like if this is a, a Yakuza game with Dragon Ball, I'm like pretty into it. I'm very into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'm looking forward to that for sure. Obviously, we'll probably see a little bit more before the year ends. Uh, last thing of TGS wanted to mention: a new Final Fantasy VII remake trailer showed a lot more of the game. As someone who never played through Final Fantasy VII in full. A lot of it made no sense to me. It didn't mean anything. Um, obviously, I wish Lucy O'Brien could be here, but unfortunately, she's away at this moment. Um, but we have a really big breakdown of that trailer on IGN. I think we have 15 minutes of uncut gameplay with uh, some of our UK boys Ooh. giving you some details about all of that in there. So I'm, definitely check that out. That comes out March? Uh, yes. I'm out of the loop a little bit. Have they like officially, fully confirmed this is episodic? Because I mm-hmm. know they've kind yeah. of gotten back and forth on that. No, they basically said that there's... They made a full, like a full-fledged video game based on the section in Midgar, which is like your sort of starter area in the game. Um, and I, they're they're like we we I think they got carried away with one area, and they were like, "This kind of rules. This is a series people love. We'll take our time." Right. But they've said I don't think they're calling it episodic. I think we heard episodic, and we were thinking like, uh, you know, a Life is Strange type of thing, or like a Walking Dead, where it's like, oh, here's like a little thing every once in a while. This is gonna be. There's gonna be Final Fantasy VII remake part two. Like, there's totally going to be, like... So each one will be 60 bucks, though. Yeah. Yeah, they'll so be full This, this remake I mean, will yeah. essentially cost you $180, and your stuff will carry over. I mean, we don't know how many episodes they're doing right. or how yeah. they're approaching it, but I'm guessing it's going to be, like, a 13-type thing where they break it up into numerous games. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about this. I, you know, guiltily will admit I've never finished Final Fantasy VII. I've, like, always appreciated it on, like, a sort of... Like, I've watched, you know, the anime and, like, the, or whatever you call the CG movie. And, like, you know, I'd love all the characters. And it was, like, it, it's one of those things that blew me away when I was a kid. And, like, I think the first time I drew anything that was, like, anime-esque fan art, it was Cloud. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Um, but <laughs> Should like, get some of those on the show. Yeah, but I've gone back and uh, and revisited. Like, I've been playing uh, FF7 on Switch with, like, all of the weird tweaks you can put in there. And, like, you know, skip random encounters and, like, auto right. level, which is a really nice quality of life thing. Yeah. That game still is, like, really hard to go back to. Yeah, it is. It is aged like I mean, it's aged like a an early you know PS one game. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. Um, but like it's kind of cool. Like I've seen people kind of look at this this remake and been like, this is how this game looked in my head in 1997. Yep. Yeah. And it's I'm. I don't know. I'm I'm stoked. It's cool to have that like vision come true for so many people, especially mm-hmm. after so many years of like what's going on with this thing. And mm-hmm. we do have we have a release date. We have multiple trailers. We have dozens of minutes of gameplay. Like it is it's, a real thing. Now. It's also much like Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. It's one of those weird things where like this is a story that's really familiar to a lot of people. But if you're trying to get the attention of anyone on who's not on board, like it's kind of like what is a spoiler? Like what do you show in trailers that like yeah? There's like some stuff kind of front and center where you're like. Are they going to show that? Are they going to tease that? Like, uh, do we, do, you know, do we know who, like, who beats up whom or dies I, or whatever? I, I, like, I was saying that the other day. I was like, if you're interested in something like Link's Awakening, stop looking at it because, like, they yeah. a lot of the marketing for these for these remakes and remasters, uh, they are assuming that the audience is very familiar with the source material, and that's kind of like a big leap because a bunch of people are going to be playing these games for the very first time. So, I don't know, dip out and don't yeah. look. It's very interesting as someone who's been spoiled on the story of that game to no end. I'm still excited to see, especially with all the new stuff they seem to be doing with it, what this remake actually turns out to be. It looks, it looks just so stunning. Yeah, stunning, it's, it's beautiful like, to watch. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, you should check out the Dreams recreation of the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, I forget what the user's name is who created that, but it is also stunning, uh, which, like many things in Dreams, continue to dazzle me every day. Next year is looking like a really fun year for games. It's going to yeah. be a crazy year. It's going to be a doozy. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, just briefly wanted to mention uh, some of the stuff we've been playing because, uh, Max, I know you and Brian, you've also played a bit of Control. Yeah. Briefly wanted to mention before that, uh, they announced the, the DLC plan. Uh, it includes two paid expansions next year. Uh, one of those expansions is called The Foundation. Uh, that'll be released first. Then the second one, AWE, which if you've played the game, you know what that stands for in the game. Alan Wake Experience. Yeah, that is exactly what they call it, or Altered World Events. Uh, but in the key art for it, it shows half key art for Control, half the key art for Alan Wake. 
Uh, obviously, there are some Alan Wake Easter eggs in the game if you've played it. We'll go into more detail there, but yeah, there's probably going to be some Alan Wake in here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what have you guys thought? Uh, Janet and I talked to no end. Uh, people can hear our impressions of control from that episode. How have you guys been uh, experiencing the game? Oh, I, I like marathon through a, a ton of it when I was super jet lagged last week, and I got really far. I think I'm on like the, I think I'm on like the second to last bossy fight type thing. Uh, I'm currently stuck on like three different bosses at once, and I did that <laughs> thing where I like was really into it, and then I ducked out to take a break. And I got back in and I completely got my timing off. And like this morning oh, I loaded yeah. it up and there's the, I like, I love that game in so many ways. There's little things that just piss me off to no end. I think the checkpointing is like infuriating. I've heard from a few people. Um, that, yeah. Like there's stuff where it's just like, just, you know, like, you know, places where people might die, just make it so that it reloads the game at that, at that part. And I don't have to walk up three flights of stairs or like, right. Jump. Like, there's or a hear part the where, same hear the same VO over and yeah. over again. Well, ironically, one of the, the the VO I've heard repeatedly is she's just like, "F word this," and I'm like, <laughs> "Me too, sister." Yeah. Um, but this, there, I, I I love so much about that game. I don't want to I don't want to sound too negative. No, but like, of course. The um, the the flying, the levitating, yeah. I think is some of the coolest. I don't know what you what you call that, like non <laughs> ethereal traversal of a game you know yeah that is the most dreamlike floating yeah and i love how just like where we always complain about controls being floaty i love how floaty they are yeah. it feels like, like you shouldn't be able to control yourself normally in this scenario right. and i love right. that her animation too is like i'm not used to this yeah. this is a weird mm -hmm. thing that i'm doing that being yeah. said this morning i was like <laughs> loaded up this part where you have to jump from like one you know vast thing to one one brutalist architectural thing to another uh and I just straight up like fell into the same pit like three times. <laughs> and I was just like yelling at my TV at like 630 this morning. I was like, what am I doing? You might just need um, a longer levitation. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I need to have less coffee and just, but I've, I've like leveled up a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's weird because that's a game that's structured mostly in a sort of linear, like a little bit Metroidvania, but like kind of like, you know, do things in this, in this particular order. Yeah. Uh, I totally got through the entire game without realizing that you can have like shields which yeah. is like yeah. an early side quest you unlock that ability in. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's I, a bunch There's a bunch of like, like a Metroidvania game, there's a bunch of stuff hidden in the corners that I think most people skip over. Yeah. Um, and so the, the thing is, it's like the environments are boring. They're supposed to be. That's the point, right? Because then things happen in them and they make them interesting. Um, and so I think for people wanting to explore like the nook and crannies of these sort of formulaic office spaces, um, they're not inherently trained to do that because they look so samey, but then there's like a, you know, a funny copy machine in the corner that shoots points out or whatever. <laughs> and so it's like important to go dig around and do all that stuff, which is kind of counterintuitive to like a story driven game where you want to move the narrative along. Um, but no, I dig it. I'm, I'm a few hours in, uh, I'm probably going to keep playing a bunch more this weekend. Um, I'm not crazy about the map and I'm not crazy about sort of the map's not great. Yeah. yeah. The map reminds, it reminds me of Fez, which was also sort of a Metroidvania with a really like obtuse and like almost whimsical map, which was like, <laughs> this is a crazy kooky world about things being a little bit disorienting. But it's like, but that doesn't work as a game mechanic for the map. Make yeah. The map works. Yeah. I, you can't always tell what level you're on of the map. I, that's, that's that actually map would be great issue. if you could yeah. zoom in or if you could go and yeah. just tweak it a tiny yep. bit like yeah. isometric. I also, um, I wish it left you alone more. Um, there's a lot of just like people in the game, like milling around who are constantly talking mm -hmm. to you. And I'm like, I love the isolationism of, of Metroid games of, of most Metroidvania games are less about NPCs and interaction and, and like friends and teammates. Like the, the my least favorite Metroid games are the ones where they're constantly like, Hey Samus, what's going on? How you doing over there? Like, can I take your powers away? I think the writing in the game is, is really good. I think it's totally used. The wrong way like so much of that game is about this bizarre environment and this sense of like disorientation and isolation and to have like just these chatty chatty kathy's hanging out being like baba 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 you're just like come on just like it's very much a less is more type of scenario yeah. where yeah they're just flapping their gums and you know again it's like i've actually i've been skipping a lot of the cutscenes. i think the presentation is really good i think the performances are really good the writing is smart. Yeah. I just, I wish there was less of it. You know? Sure. Yeah. I, I've now, I played a little bit more since uh, I reviewed it and everything. I think I'm like 90% done with all the content in it. And I think my biggest complaint now at this point is just that I think the best writing and the best use of the world and the most interesting stuff is all outside the story. Like the main campaign 
is probably the least interesting part. I still enjoyed it, but everything, some of the coolest powers are hidden on the side. Some of the coolest bosses are hidden on the side and the best collectibles that have the best writing in them, you have to go out of your way to find. And it's worth it to do that, but it's weird that some of that stuff wasn't better integrated into your main experience. Yeah, I mean, you really have to read a lot of the the documentation and, and subject matter and stuff that you pull up, which, again, I think when people are like, I got a cool action game, I'm going to play the action game. It's like, no, sit down and read read the notes and read this, read that, um, which feels very old school in a lot of ways. Um, there's a, and actually a bunch of Metroid Prime games were like that. You had to basically scan yeah. statues and read lore to really get into like the nitty-gritty of what happened there. But um, no, I dig it. I'm really glad it exists. I hope um, this team gets to keep making more. I noticed that it didn't even chart on MPD. Yeah, unfortunately. That's a bummer. It was not in the top 20 as far as I can remember, which is definitely a bummer. Uh, if you haven't played this game yet, please give it a try. I have a feeling this is a game a lot of people are probably going to buy when it's on sale yeah. uh, throughout time. So I hope it's one of those like slow burn games. Um, but I Remedy, I think, is an awesome, really brilliant creative studio, and I hope they can continue to make interesting games. Also, if you enjoyed this game and would like to find some supplementary content out there, I would highly recommend the Southern Reach trilogy, which yes, is yeah. uh, Annihilation, Authority, and... Acceptance? Acceptance, I think. I think Acceptance. Uh, Authority, the second one, is like, there's so much similarity. Yeah. Uh, like, the main character in that book is literally called Control. Um, but yeah, they uh, they adapted uh, Annihilation into a movie, which was kind of an entirely different animal. But yeah. Uh, that whole thing of being in like a, an aggressively mundane office building and going around a corner and finding like, you know, psychedelic funguses that are causing people to go insane is like a nice, it's, it's nice to see a video game that is pulling from uh, something besides like movies and TV and other games. Yep. Yeah. And those books are super quick reads. They're each like 200 pages or something. Yeah. So you can breeze through them and they're great. Um, I did briefly before we wrap up the show, also wanted to mention in terms of things we're playing, cause it is the launch week of that game. Um, Besides our reviewer and our gameplay wiki team, uh, we haven't played Borderlands 3 uh, to any extent to be able to talk about it. Um, so if you're looking for impressions, we have a review up. We have wiki guide information up. The game is out now. I'm sure we'll have people on to be able to talk about that next week, but mm -hmm. we haven't had the chance to yet. Uh, moving on from that, though, to wrap up the show, did want to do one memory card story. <laughs> Memory Card is, of course, our weekly segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, write in with your funny, weird, wacky, sad, happy, whatever stories about your gaming life, usually with PlayStation, sometimes not, uh, given some exceptions. But uh, you write in those stories, we read them on the show. If you'd like your story to be read, please write in with the subject line memory card to beyond at IGN.com. That email is also where you can write in trophy test suggestions. We're not going to do one this week just for some time, and I forgot to make one. Uh, but also you can write in questions and everything else to the show at beyond at IGN.com. This week's memory card comes from Jake. And Jake said, hello, Beyond. My memory card story goes back to May of 2006. <clears throat> I'm already getting choked up. Growing up, the Sly Cooper series was one of my favorite game series. Um, eh, it just moved. It was one of my favorite game series of all time. One day, I am scheduled to have surgery uh, to have all of my wisdom teeth removed. I had been saving up for Sly 3, Honor Among Thieves. I told my mom that after wisdom teeth surgery, I wanted to swing by the mall to pick up a copy, and she proceeded to say, we'll see how you feel. Oh to which I replied, I'll be fine. Don't oh, worry. Oh, this is going to be good. With the confidence that only a naive 14-year-old can have. Fast forward to post-operation, and the only place I want to spend my immediate existence is home sleeping in bed. When I finally came to many, many, many hours later, I woke up to see a fresh copy of Sly 3 sitting on my bedside table. I finally dragged myself out of bed and played probably six to eight hours of the game in one sitting. It remains to be one of my favorite series of all time. I can only hope that Sucker Punch Sony Sanzaru brings the series back to life at some point, as I'm sure I'm not the only person who would love to see Sly and the gang reunite. Thanks oh, for all the great content and beyond uh, to all of you. That's very sweet. I got very excited because I thought it was going to be one of those things where you're coming off like anesthesia and you're just going to <laughs> go into GameStop and start a scene, try to steal all the games. Yeah, that was a... Um, That's a really good one. Yeah, I'm very happy that you were able to play that game and very kind of your family to be able to get you that... Uh, whether or not you were part of those proceedings, you probably have no idea. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we have a lot more, a couple um, more emotional ones, but as I was not prepared this early in the morning to read those, uh, we'll read some of those next week, but thank you all for writing those in. Definitely got, plan on reading those. Do you guys have any fond memories of like games that you played while horribly uh, sick or injured? Ooh. Like a broken arm game or like a... a Stick with a flu game. So I've never broken any bones, but uh, I did get sick constantly as a kid. 
Um, I think I played through Wind Waker like under a crazy flu one summer. That's a, that's a good fever. And that, and that was just like sailing through Hyrule and just going on that boat just for hours and hours. And it was very calming and soothing uh, at that time. What about you, Brian? Nothing I can think of. No? Mm-hmm. I had, you uh, never anything. get sick. I had like, you, I've had this, the, the worst food poisoning I've had in my life. Um, I got the day before Thanksgiving a couple years ago. And like it was just like projectile everything for a couple of days. And then there's that period where you're just like, you can't really keep things down. You're having like saltines and Gatorade and you just feel like you got hit by a car. Uh, I played through Max Payne three that way. <laughs> and it was, it was oh, a trip. Yeah. That was a perfect game for that. Cause oh, this, wow. this dude is just like seeing double and he's like, keeps getting met like painkillers and he's yeah. like, I need these for my body. And I'm like, you and me both brother. <laughs> like it was just, I have like the fondest. Me- it's weird that I have like fond memories of being that sick because of that Max whole experience. Yeah. yeah. yeah just yeah, that yeah. whole. And yeah. is it the airport the section with, with so health good. playing yeah. that whole time? Yeah. That part's great. Yep. Um, anyway, thank you so much for writing in. Thank you to everyone else. We have plenty of stories to read, but please keep sending them in because they are all so wonderful and they mean so much that you want to share them with us. Uh, this has been beyond episode 605. Normally beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN beyond and your favorite podcast services around the world. Of course, when we're not recording the show, we are on IGN.com and YouTube.com slash IGN, making a bunch of videos and stories and everything. So please check out all the stuff we're making there. Uh, Brian, Max, before we wrap up, uh, anything you want to tout slash where can people find you? Uh, I put up a new episode of Fast Travel this week, uh, which is our sort of travel show for gamers and nerds or whatever we call ourselves. We don't like that. Such a good show. Yeah, thank you. You've been you've been turning yeah. that show for like, it's always been sort of a cool nerdy travel show. You have gotten your hands dirty with it. And it's, yeah. Each I, episode I, is better than the last. So. I, def- I definitely got to go like all in. And it's very my brain in this one. We went to Brussels, Belgium, which is a uh, country that banned loot boxes. We talked about that a lot and went to a bunch of different like retro game stores and record shops. And yeah, it's so go check that out. Um, and then I also put up a written and video preview for Link's Awakening, um, which is a game I never shut up about. So go check that out. And that comes out next week. Next week. So, yeah. There's actually not on PlayStation, but yeah, you know, but if you have a switch, you don't should know play. the deal. Uh, there's a crazy indie apocalypse next week, which we maybe we'll talk goose about. Game. Then. Goose game. Goose game. They're finally coming out. Yeah. Good Un- Lord. Next week is untitled goose game. Sayonara wild hearts, uh, overland, huh. uh, Muta Zion, which I played a PAX and is super rad. Um, yeah, there's like four or five amazing indie games coming out next week. So it's going to be crazy. Uh, Max, what about you? What about me? Um, what the, uh, we're doing a bunch of new up at noon stuff. It's always hard to tell when that's actually going to go up because we have a lot of time tweaking it and editing it. Yeah, but, uh, I think we put up a video about Rotten Tomatoes. I think I don't know. I think we accidentally posted it and people got mad at us because it was like not a final draft. <laughs> I got yelled at for not putting enough links in the article or something. But uh, just check out up at noon. It's it's not dead. We're we're still working on it. Uh, yeah. We're getting getting back in the swing of things after nonsense travel time. So excited to see more. Yeah, we're all more in the office now. So yeah, and there are games out. coming out. There's going to be a lot of games. games coming out. Yeah. We'll have a lot to talk about going over the next few months. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Adrian Bizzle, and Max at Max Scoville. Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening or watching to this episode. And as always, beyond beyond. Oh. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.